his intentions of God as a father. Where we're going in this ministry, it is going to call on you to see yourself as God's child. Now, today, I am going to teach on humility. We're going to talk about humility on today. Uh, I'm going to do a couple messages now, but if God says the same, I will be doing the School of Humility starting January 2020. Humility is needed. I'm going to give you a general definition of it now, and I'm probably going to mention it throughout the message. Humility is you emptying yourself out so the Father can be all in you. Ain't that what you want? It is you emptying yourself out so the Father can be all in you. In order to do that, you have to come to a realization of what you don't know. You don't know how to love until the Father teaches you how to love. If you're a child, you don't know how to pray until the Father teaches you how to pray. You don't know how to be a man. You don't know how to be a woman. You don't know how to be his son. You don't know how to be his daughter. You don't know how to talk, preach, teach. You don't know anything until the Father reveals it to you, until he imparts it in you. Your definition of kindness is off. Your definition of love, your definition of gentleness, it is extremely wrong. In every area of our life, we have to approach the Father as if we know nothing. Like I told you before, and I'll keep saying it, when you were born again, you entered into a relationship with a father. When he pulled you out of the orphanage and he adopted you, he wants to get rid of those orphan ways. But in order to get rid of the orphan ways, he has to replace them with something. It has to be replaced with something from your pain to your trust level. Those are things that happen to us in the world. But when we come out of the world, we have to depend on the Father to build us up. And so we're going to talk about humility. The title of my message on today is humility belongs to the father humility belongs to the father because if you've been in church any amount of time you thought humility belonged to the pastor you thought when it came to you humbling yourself you had to humble yourself to a pastor and that was the point of humility you thought you had to humble yourself to the bishop to the deacons to those who were in their perspective places, that's where, your, that's where humility was directed at. When I came up in the church, I've never heard a message in any ministry that I've been a part of, a message or a series just focusing on teaching us what is humility. Like I said, Humility in a general sense is us emptying out ourselves so that the Father can be all in us. He wants 
us to have his ways. The Bible says that his ways are as highest as the heaven is from earth. His ways are as high as the heaven is from the earth. That's how far we off we are. We were off when he brought us into his family. The only way that you can know that you are humbling yourself or that you are even maturing is that you are consciously trying to imitate his ways at all time. When he gave us this invitation to become humble and to walk in humility, it is not something that he imparts into you and you're just humble. No, it is a day by day. It is a second by second. It is a minute by minute thing. In order for you to become like him, you are going to have to trust him. You are going to have to have your ear to heaven, which means you got to get your ear from earth. Humility is the opposite of pride. So if humility is to empty oneself out so that the father can fill you, then pride is you being full of you. And we'll talk about that. A bit more in detail. This is how pride looks. Pride comes in a form of arrogance. It comes in a form of being ungrateful. It comes in a form of being impatient with people, intolerant of people, rude, stubborn, headstrong. It's my way or the highway mentality. You know somebody like that? In our conversations, speaking negative of others. Even comparing ourselves to one another. You are an individual. God created you to be you. You can only be the greatest you. I'm only interested in being the greatest McKinley Hardy. I'm not interested in being T.D. Jakes. You can only be you. The fingerprint that you have belongs to you. No one else on this planet has your fingerprint. No one else has your identity. God created you to be you. It is false humility for you not to see yourself like the father sees you. I know we want to downplay ourselves. Oh, I'm nothing. Yes, you are. Why would you? You think God is saying that about you? You think God is telling you that you're nothing? Don't downplay who the father made you. Now, one of my favorite books that I'll be using throughout this message and throughout this series, or especially when we go into the School of Humility, uh, one of my favorite authors, Andrew Murray, he's a, a pastor, I think he was from South Africa, but his books were written in the 1800s. So it was before we got bogged down with TV before we got distracted with social media, before we got the, these cell phones, which you look at your cell phone, you talk to your cell phone and spend more time with your cell phone than you do with God. Sometimes with your spouse, sometimes with your kids. Our cell phones get most of our attention nowadays. But back in those days, they were undistracted. They were just spending time with God. No TV on or nothing. And so it's pure teaching. 
And one of his quotes, my favorite quotes is, our thoughts and opinions of others will always be the test of our humility. I'm going to say that again. Our thoughts and opinions of others will always be our test of humility. I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Our thoughts and our opinions of others will always be our test of humility. So it's not something that you can give me as a pastor. It's an internal thing. It's inherent. It's you dealing with the inner you. You can't front humility. You can't act it out. It's how you speak to you about other people. It's how you speak to you about yourself. Now, humility and pride addresses the condition of the soul, the mind, and the heart. Humility and pride addresses the soul, the mind, and the heart. The soul, your character, your dispositions your attitude, your aversions, the mind, your thoughts, your thoughts of others, your thoughts about yourself, your imagination, your heart, how you feel about others, your affections. Where the the Bible says it's out of the heart, out of the heart flows the issues of life. What are your issues? Now, our nature by default was pride when we were in Adam. By default, in Adam, our nature was pride. I'm going to do some little teaching on the day. Our nature was pride by default in Adam. In Christ. Our nature is humility. Now that we have a divine nature, our job is to humble ourselves to be like our father. And all you've seen Jesus do when he taught, when he would teach his disciples, he was not teaching his disciples to be like him. He said, when you make this decision, when you do this, when you do that, do it so that you can glorify your father in heaven. So that your light can shine so that people can glorify your father who is in heaven. So humility is all about glorifying the Father, allowing people to see him in you. So this particular teaching right now, today, is going to aim more at us introducing humility and where to place it, which is in the Father and not in man. We're trying to place humility in the Father and not in man. Why? Because humility is you emptying yourself out so that the Father can fill you with his glory, with his honor, with his power. You don't want to be filled with the ways of no any man. 
Now, our example of humility is always who? Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's all of us. In Adam, we were all weary and we were heavy laden. We were bogged down with sin. We were bogged down with weights, with bad habits, with issues, with family problems. We were all bogged down. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. Now, the thing about someone giving you something is this. You have to accept it. So while Jesus sees that you are heavy laden and that you need rest, he is trying to give it to you, but you have to accept it. Now, rest means he's trying to refresh your soul. He's trying to give you new strength and energy. He's trying to renew and revitalize your soul. Once you are born again, you are born again at the spirit level. But we still have to deal with the soul. We still have to deal with the mind. We still have to deal with the heart. We still have to deal with our character, our disposition, our aversions, and most of all, our appetite. So he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now he's telling us, get the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to teach you about the things of Christ. He wants us to take his yoke. Now, what a yoke is, is this. Biblically, it was when they had two ox and they had a device that was attached around their neck so that they could not separate from one another, but they, would, they could only move together. Now, the Bible says that the anointing destroys the yoke. So we can be yoked to Christ or we can be yoked to Satan. And it is the equivalent of you being handcuffed to someone who's stronger than you. What happens? You go wherever they take you. So when Satan, when you were in Adam, say you were yoked with Satan and he had control of your appetite. So whatever your flesh told you to do, you went along with it. He's telling us, look, when you were in that predicament, you were weary and you were heavy laden and I came to give you rest because the devil was dragging you all over. And you got tired. So he said, I'm coming to give you rest. But in order for you to get the rest, what you're going to have to do is take my yoke. So I'm going to destroy that yoke through the anointing, which is Christ. And I'm going to yoke you to me through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to teach you about me. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. So he's telling you, when you come to me, this is the type of individual you're going to learn from. Which is also the qualifications of a leader. 
Gentle means, or meek in some translations, meaning that you trust the Father's goodness and control over every situation. When you are gentle, it means that you trust the Father's goodness and that he has control over every situation. It is the opposite of being self-assertive or self-interested, of having self-interest, meaning pride. You feel like you have to do it when you don't trust the Father. That's why the Bible says that the meek will inherit the earth. The Father says, as long as I'm in control, this is what you inherit. The moment you take over your life, you only get what you work for. Humble. So he says, I am gentle and I am humble in heart. So this is in heart means this is my feelings. This is my affections. This is my actions towards mankind. When you come to this classroom, learn of me. This is the type of teacher that you're getting. Humble means that he is without reputation, that he has emptied himself out and the father's using him. So he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will, not you might, you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls if you enroll in this classroom with this teacher that is gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is the example of humility. And he's telling us to learn of him. Now, as humble as he was, he didn't take no junk off the Pharisees. Come on. He didn't take no junk off the Sadducees. He didn't take no mess from no scribes. Neither did he take any from Herod, which represented the government. Now, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes really represent religion. They represent religion and denomination. He says, if you do this, you will find rest for your souls. Rest means this. Pay attention. That you cease from your labor or we cease from our labor and enter into his predestined plan for our lives. How many want to do that? <laughs> this is how you find rest. You cease from your labor of you feeling like you have to make it happen and you enter into the life that he predestined for you. And in that life, you rest. You're not worried. Why? Because you're meek and you're humble, meaning you emptied yourself out, you're humble, and you're meek, meaning that you, in every situation, you lose your power because you understand that the Father has control of all things. So you don't have to attack everybody to say something about you. <laughs> 
You don't have to go toe-to-toe with people who disagree with what you're doing if you know who you're led by. There's nothing to prove when you've already proved it to the Father. Okay. Jesus' humility was to the Father. This is why he said, learn of him. And although the Pharisees were the official interpreters of the law, He knew what his humility was to be towards. We should be able to learn from Jesus by looking into two areas, his life and his ministry. Learn from me means this. Pay attention to how he regarded his his father's voice over every other voice, even his own. So he didn't care what the Sadducees were saying. He didn't care what the scribes was teaching. He didn't care what the scribes were talking about. All his conversation was directed towards what? I only do what my father tells me to do. I only go where my father tells me to go. So when Jesus says, learn of me, and you look into his ministry, you see the example. He wasn't humbling himself to the Pharisees. Because that's not where humility belongs. Humility only belongs to the Father. And when I get done, you will be convinced. (laughs) You, okay. This is how his soul was always in rest mode. You ever notice he was always in rest mode? The disciples are panicking because of a storm. He's asleep. He was always in rest mode. Why? Because he knew that the Father had control of all things. He got up, rebuked the waves, rebuked the storm, and told them, why y'all face so little? He was always in rest mode. Mary and Martha come to him. My brother Lazarus is sick. Bible said he waited four days. This sickness is not unto death. What? He's sleep. Well, the disciples said, well, if he's sleep, he'll get some rest. He'll be okay. He dead. Well, if he dead, why you didn't hurry up and get to him? Because the father is in control of all things, and he knew that. He didn't panic when the, when the multitudes was following him. 5,000 people. He said he had compassion on them that they were hungry. The disciples said, they've been following us for three days now. They hungry. He looked at them and said, you feed them. And they went into a panic. They said, we're about two weeks away from a store. By the time we walked, got the bread, came back, it'd be spoiled. You don't think that he, ha- he set that up on purpose? He knew how far he was from a store. <laughs> but he knew that the father had control of it. Jesus was always in rest mode. When you humble yourself to the father, you will always be in rest mode. 
The Bible says be anxious for nothing. When you look up nothing in the Greek, in the Greek you know what it means? Nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. That's deep, ain't it? Okay. Childlike humility. Matthew 18 and 3. Now, what I'm about to read to you, I'll give you the backdrop. The disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And he pulls a child up and says, this child. All right. Verse 3 says, and truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? A humble child. You want to be great in the kingdom? Humble yourself. Not to man, to the father. A humble child. Notice it says, whoever then humbles himself. So you're in control of your level of humility. God can't humble you. He refused to humble you. He won't humble you because humbling you would mean this. He takes your will. And he will never take your will from you. He wants you to give your will to him. But in this society, in this world, and the people we deal with, they love controlling people. Religion loves controlling people. If they can make you humble, themselves, humble yourself, that's what they want. God doesn't want to make you humble yourself. He wants you to humble himself. This is Jesus talking. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of, of heaven. In the household, whether you know it or not, the child is the most important. Whether you know it or not, the child is the greatest. Now, how is a child humble? I'll give you four points. Point number one of how a child is humble. They imitate the parents. You take a little boy and you put him around his father. He constantly sees his father with a hammer. What does he do? He picks the hammer up and he imitates his father. You take a little girl and she watches her mother in the kitchen cooking. The next thing you know, she's imitating the mother. This is the example of humility. That's why Jesus said the son can do nothing except what he sees the father do. Point number two of how a child is humble. They seek to please the parent. The parent approval matters more than anybody else. 
You could fall, get up, you could fail, but as long as your parents tell you, you, I'm proud of you. It don't matter what nobody else think. This is why Jesus told us to seek the Father, to ask, to knock. This is why scripture tells us to seek his face. Point number three of how a child is humble. They grow through failure. They grow through failure. Win or lose, mistakes or not, they keep it moving in that relationship. A child doesn't make a mistake and think they lost their father. They don't do something wrong and all of a sudden now they think, I don't have parents because of the mistake I made. You could take a child. Now, you can give a child an ice cream cone. They'll walk, stumble, drop it, and they'll pick it up and try to eat it. They don't care about the ground. They don't care about nothing else. If they can't eat that ice cream cone, what is, what is the next thing they expect? The parent to replace it. Kids don't fall out of relationship by making mistakes. They grow through it. That's why the Bible tells us to grow in grace. We grow in grace because God is our father. We have been given permission to make mistakes as we grow. Grace lets us know that I can make a mistake in this relationship and the father is not going to abandon me. A mistake in a relationship does not mean that he no longer wants to be my, my father. That is what grace is. He wants us to grow in grace. Point number four of how a child is humble. They unconditionally love and forgive. Unconditional. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. You ain't even got to apologize to a child. That's my friend, but they just beat you up. <laughs> Everybody a child friend, ain't it? That's my friend. That's my friend. That's my friend. Wait till you find out what a friend really is. <laughs> By the time you turn 21, you, look, a child, you ask a child who's their friend, everybody in the room. By the time you get 21, who's your friend? Her. <laughs> This is how we humble ourselves as a child. This is what makes a child great in the kingdom. Being innocent. If you're focusing on what the world is doing, it has your affections. If you're focusing on being like the father, it's easy to forgive people. You see, when, when people make mistakes, and you're focused on the Father, you see what they can become. You see the error. You see Satan leading them into the wrong place. When Satan is your father, you blame everybody for everything. You offended by everybody. You still mad what people said to you in high school. Okay, let's keep it moving. Humility and grace. James 4 and 5. Or do you think 
that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy. So now, God is a father. He's given you, predestined you to adoption. He predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. He predestined that you will be holy and blameless in his eyes, in his sight. He justified you. He glorified you. He's constantly blessing you. So he gets jealous when he does all these things for you. And you give everybody else his attention. Ain't it crazy how we give everybody else our attention, but then as soon as we're going through, we want to talk to him? Y'all ain't going to say yes to that. He's, he gets jealous. I tell my kids, you have parents. Don't let kids raise you. You, you I'm your father. Which, don't tell me what these little boys talking about. I'm the one to speak to you. You need to have my voice in your head, not theirs. That's the best advice I can give you. Get people's voice out your head and get the father's voice in your head. Because what he says about you is the only thing that matters. My life is a movie. And you know something I noticed in this movie, the McKinley Hardy movie? The only two characters that have been constant is me and God. Look at your movie. You rolling it back, ain't you? The only two characters that have been consistent have been me and God. Every other character can be replaced. I'm the star of this movie. He's directing it. Every other character can come and go. You can make your mind up right now. You know I don't like McKinley. You can walk out. Steal my movie. With that being said, you can't have a lead role. All right. Sorry about that. Verse 6. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives a greater grace. Now, that's crazy, ain't it? So you've got grace already. You have divine favor already. But when you humble yourself, you get a greater grace. I don't even know how that look. I'm going to try my best to explain it, all right? This is how it looks. Because he says he opposed the proud, right? But to the humble, he gives grace. I'm going to try my best to explain this to you. Let's say you had a 100-mile-per-hour wind coming at you, and you're trying to walk through it. That's you in pride. But a greater grace is when it's to your back. When the wind is to your back and he just, you just, you just sailing. But when it's in your face and you're trying to walk through it, that's you in pride. You're trying to walk through life, do it your way. And you just, like you're walking in a wind tunnel. 
It's like you're going down the road, and every time you, every time you turn a corner, you hit an obstacle, and you got to stop. Versus when you humble yourself, it's like a highway. Autobahn. You go as fast as you want to to get where you need to go. It's like driving down a, high, a road and you just keep hitting potholes. Versus you driving down a, a road and it's smooth. He opposed the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Half of your problems are coming right here at this scripture. You have not submitted to God. By submitting to God, by default, you're resisting the devil. When the devil sees that, he knows he has no chance. He does what? Flee. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Boy, religion love preaching that one. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. <laughs> purify your heart, you double-minded. Now, what this means is this. If you become acquainted with him and come to him, he will give you help and grace. Now, this is the opposite of pride. Pride is when you know you need help, but you won't say nothing. You're not going to say anything. You know you need help. You know you don't know. You ever seen a child trying to put a triangle into a, a rectangle? It just It's going to fit. It's going to work. No, it ain't. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. They won't ask. All you got to do is ask. Now, I tell you, look, son, that don't fit there. This fits there. And then they'll take it, put it in there, be like, oh. <laughs> That's us. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, me. Be done with that lifestyle. Purify your hearts, you double-minded, because you don't know if you want to live in the flesh or you want to live for him. You don't know. Verse 9 says, and this is crazy. This is, this is crazy. Be miserable. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. This is penitence, remorse, meaning lose the pleasure of living an ungodly life. He says, be miserable. Until you are humble, be miserable. Mourn. Whatever you have to do, get before your father and cry out to him, Father, take this pride away. I don't want it. Give it to Chris. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> just get away from me. 
But you literally have to lay before your father and you have to cry out against your own pride. If you don't think it's there, that's the pride. If you don't think you have no pride, this is, the, this is how I want you to cry out. Remove the pride I don't see. <laughs> you have to literally lay before your father. Before we started this church, I was crying out. Remove this pride from me. Remove this pride from me because the last thing I wanted to do was get up here and be prideful. I've seen it. And this is what it looks like. Let's say Chris is a minister and trainer. I'm the pastor. If I get up here and I'm like, ain't nobody on my level. Ain't nobody doing it like me. Ain't nobody got no church like this. Y'all ain't smart as me. Listen to me. What he gonna do when he get the mic? The same thing. So when I got this ministry, I did not want to be in pride. I did not. So what I did, I laid before the Father and I cried, remove it. I did not want to use this platform to attack people who had hurt me in ministry. I be wanting It creeps up. That's why I said when it comes to pride, it is a daily thing. It is a, it is a every second of the day you have to check pride. Because pride going to tell you that you're better than somebody. You can have two singers. And pride will tell you, I'm better than this singer. How are you going to be better than, only way you can be, only way, and me and Chris are singers. Only way I can be better than Chris is for me to be him. Y'all get that? That's it. You, you can't be better at me. You can't be better than me at me being me. It's impossible. That Chris is Chris. When he sings, he's doing Chris. When Kirby sings, Kirby's doing Kirby. When Tremaine sings, Tremaine's doing Tremaine. It's impossible for Chris to be better than Tremaine unless Chris trying to be Tremaine. Pride. You ain't on my level. The fact that you said that makes you on a low level. <laughs> Verse 10. Here you go again. Humble who? Yourself. Look at your pride and humble yourself. Don't try to humble the next person. Humble yourself. Watch this. In the presence of the Lord. Not in the presence of people. This is what is going on when nobody's with you. This is what's going on in your head, in your heart, in your soul, with your affections, your thoughts. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord because right now you can't see what I'm thinking. So I'm wasting my time to try to humble myself in front of y'all. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and, hold on, 
Is that a misprint? He will exalt you. Which means if I humble myself in front of you, you ain't got no exaltation for me. You ain't got a level to put me on. I don't have a level to put you on. Even if I gave you this mic and let you teach, that ain't a level. The levels are in the spirit realm. If you humble yourself as a child, he will make you greater in the kingdom. I can't make you great in the kingdom. Don't waste your time trying to humble yourself to me. This is your private life. Your private life exalts you. The Father know if you're praying or not. The Father know if you're fasting or not. He know if you're studying the word or not. You can't trick. Don't waste your time trying to trick people. Your anointing is going to be based on your private life. He know if you fasting. He know if you studying. He know how you feel about your brothers, your sisters, your spouse, your parents. He know how you feel about the person sitting next to you. He knows that. I don't even need to know. But since you know, you need to humble yourself. And it just looks like this. I don't need to be thinking like that. That's wrong. Tell yourself you wrong. When you tell yourself you wrong, people won't have to tell you. The Bible tells us that a spiritual person judged themselves and nobody else can judge them. You can't judge me if I know I'm wrong and I'm trying to correct it. Remember, your thoughts and opinions of others will always be your test of humility. It is the contents of your heart, your soul, and your mind. That's where humility lies at. It ain't in an action. You can, you can come up here and, and do your best, attempt to be an armor bearer, whatever, however they do it. I don't know. Maybe it's a real thing. I need to study it. I ain't going to knock it. You can try to get in the pastor's grace. You can, you can be on your job. Can I say brown nosing on the pulpit? I just said it. Okay. <laughs> Well, some stuff I cut out. Y'all probably don't listen to the message. I be cutting stuff out. I can't say that. I ain't going to cut that out, though. You could be at the job. That's why the Bible tells you whatever work you do, do unto. Unto who? Unto the Lord. Unto the Father. It says don't, don't, don't only work when the boss watching you. <laughs> but then soon the boss turns his back. The Lord watching you. You ain't getting no promotion. And then you wonder why you can't get a promotion. You can't get a promotion because you're doing it unto people. Everything you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord. Humble. Now, the hardest part of humility is this. is being humble in a religious environment. That's hard. I did it. God knew I was crazy. He knew I was crazy. I, I know he looked at me and said, boy, if you would endure that, 
I can't even say over this mic the stuff the pastors have said to me and done to me. And I stayed because I thought that I was humbling myself, was supposed to humble myself to them. This is what religious humility looks like. Humble yourself before the person with the title, with the office, with the mic. But the person with the mic, the title, and the office does not have to humble themselves to you. So I can use my pulpit to tear you down, and you better stay here and listen to me talk about you. If you leave, you're not humble. Or you get people in the congregation, you'll humble yourself to the pastor, but not to your brother sitting next to you. The pastor is greater than your brother sitting next to you. No, the greatest in the kingdom is a humble child, not a humble pastor. Not a bishop. Bishops are not great in the kingdom, only God's children. They're going to hate this. Y'all got my back? Because they're they going to say stuff. They're going to. They Jesus had no problem with sinners. The only issue he had was with Pharisees. He said, y'all don't go into the kingdom and y'all prohibit others. Y'all stop people. He said, y'all are like cups that are clean on the outside but filthy on the inside. Pride. We think humility is in being mild-mannered. No, mild manner just simply means I'm not going to say it, but I'm thinking it. That's why spiritual growth is within the inner man. Because you used to, somebody used to say something to you and you go upside their head. You punch them, whatever, kick them, however you do your thing. You stop kicking them, but you still kicking them on the inside. <laughs> the growth is when you stop kicking them on the inside when you refuse to let them in and take up space because they said something you didn't like and you've been on a going crazy for the last week fighting them in your head we all been through it and you're going to continue to go through it. That's what, Satan knows these things. Let me tell you something. Satan can't see your body. He see your spirit. And so let's just say for the sake of use a stoplight. Red means you belong to him. Because when you get mad, you get Everything go red, right? Get, all right. Yellow means you're almost there. Green means you're on God's side. That's what he sees. He ain't looking at your flesh. He's looking at the condition of your spirit in that moment. So he knows when Chris said something to me, I went red. And so when I went red, all these other voices started coming. Shoot him, kill him. Who do you think he's talking to? You know you can whoop him. A long time ago, you would have knocked him out. 
He sees your spirit just like God sees your spirit. That's why he tells you to, che to give cheerfully because he sees the condition of your spirit. He don't see your arm going into your hand, going into your pocket, reaching, pulling out, and going like that. That's not what he's looking at. He's looking at the condition of your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is a spiritual life. Don't do it for people. Because the Bible says what? That's your reward. Now, this is how it's supposed to work. This is how humility is supposed to work. First Peter 5 and 5. It says, because there is order in the church now. I don't think there's no order. But it needs to be taught correctly. Because like I said, coming up, I didn't know what humility was. You know how I found what humility was? I studied it. Because they were telling me I'm prideful. Well, I need to know what pride is. I need to know what humility is. You can't be humble until you understand what humility is and what it looks like. I didn't learn humility in the church. I learned humility when I was at SAE and I was working with producers and engineers who had multi-platinum. They had worked with all the artists in the industry and they were super humble and they just wanted me to learn from them. But you had pastors with eight members and they think they, nope, nope, not doing it. Y'all trying to get me. Verse five, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. Be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Now, if it would have said, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and clothe yourself in humility towards them. If it had said that, I can expect you to humble yourself to me, but I don't have to humble myself to you. But the scripture says, and all of you, Clothe who? Don't clothe me. Don't try to clothe me with humility. Clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself with humility. So we're supposed to be humble towards one another. This is how it works, okay? We humble ourselves to the Father, each one of us, and we walk in Humility with each other. Let me say that again. We humble ourselves to the Father as individuals. For all my people who want to be independent, you can do that by yourself. You can humble yourself to the Father. You don't need nobody else. That ain't a group thing. Hum we humble ourselves to the Father, and then we walk in humility with one another. Which means the devil ain't telling me nothing about Ola. You ain't telling me nothing about Ola. You ain't telling me nothing about Tanya. You are not going to change the way I feel about nobody with your conversation, with your attitude, or with your actions.
For God opposed the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As an individual, we humble ourselves to the Father, and from that humbleness, we walk in humility, meaning that we have a humble opinion of ourselves. We have a deep sense of our littleness, that there's no big eyes, little U's. The pastor's not greater than the people. Modesty, lowliness in mind. You don't exalt yourself above people in your head. I'm better than them. They ain't on my level. You know who think like that? Satan. He said, I will exalt my kingdom above the most high. Anytime you want to exalt yourself above people, you thinking like Satan. Pride. We're going to talk about that probably next week, the origin of pride. So you could know where it came from. So when it's speaking to you, you could know that if you agree with it, this is what you're walking in. Verse 6. Therefore, why, why did he keep saying this? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Now, under the mighty hand of God means he has control of you. It's like playing chess. You grab a piece, it's under your hand, and you can move it to where you want to. Imagine if you allow God to move you in life instead of you moving yourself. Where would you be? I'll give you like 10 seconds to think about that. Time up. That he may exalt you. So who's doing it exalting? The Father's doing the exalting. So it does no good for you to try to humble yourself to me. Humble yourself to the Father, and you will walk in humility with me. If I humble myself to the Father, I will walk in humility with you. If I empty myself out of self, of what I think, how I feel, this is the number one destroying this is the number one thing that destroys marriages. The, hum, the husband thinks he's greater than the wife. And the Bible tells you to dwell with her because she's your, she's, she's your equal, but she's a weaker vessel. So even the more you need to pay attention to how you handle her. Ooh, I got that on that back. She's smiling, look at that. Woo, woo, woo. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> it says that he may exalt you at the proper time. At the proper time. Now, look this up in the Greek. Y'all know what this means? In due season, at the right time. Meaning, when you humble yourself into maturity, I'll exalt you. You can't fake it. This is going to be something when you by yourself, that's when the humility, that's when the classes happen. When you by yourself. All right. A little spiritual advice. 
spiritual advice, okay? If you ain't spiritual, don't take this advice. All right? Keep somebody around you that keeps you humble. I got people around me in my life, and I know they don't like me. <laughs> I know they don't care nothing about me. If I die tomorrow, they might celebrate. But I keep them around me to keep myself humble. Because what happens if you get rid of everybody that don't like you, how do you know who to love? The Bible says that unbelievers love those who love them. That's nothing. The hard part is loving people when you know they don't love you. The hard part is allowing somebody to use you when you know they only want to use you. But you screaming, God, use me. Oh. You said God used you. He sent somebody in your life to use you. They just want your money. They just want your stuff. They don't care about supporting you. It's going to be like that. Keep somebody like that in your life. Allow them to use you. To prove your humility. Now, I say this is spiritual advice. Don't do this if you ain't spiritual because you're not growing. This is only if you plan to practice humility. Keep somebody in your presence that you know don't like you. Keep them there. Because it's easy to love somebody that don't love you. But your test of humility is can you love somebody when you know they don't like you? When you know you would do it for them, but they wouldn't do it for you. Okay. The truth of humility is this. That it belongs to the Father. And the Father only. And this is why. No man can make you great in the kingdom. No man can make you great in the kingdom. No man can give you a greater grace. No man can exalt you. And no man, this is a good one, no man can give you rest for your soul. No man can give you rest for your soul. No person can give you rest for your soul. Only one knows your destiny, knows your purpose, knows your assignment. You know how he knows? Because he predestined it. He gave it. Don't the Bible says, put your trust in no man. But then it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledging him and he will direct your path. Well, why is he telling you not to put your trust in no man? Because they don't have a path to direct you on. Your father is all seeing. He's all knowing. He's all wise. Why are you depending on people who don't know nothing? High school degree. 67 years old. Probably shouldn't have said that. Now, to be subject to elders means this. To be subject to leadership means this. Now, that is a thing. But this is why you subject yourself to elders. 
to pastors because one, the father told you to. He said, submit, be subject. He didn't say humble yourself to. Humility belongs to the father. So the first reason why you should submit to someone is because God told you to. The second reason why is because you need to be conformed to the image of Christ or better yet, they have something that you don't have. And if you don't, if you don't submit yourself, you won't get it. If you go to class, if you enroll in school, you submit yourself to the teacher. Why? Because you showed up to school because the teacher has some information that you didn't have. You submit yourself to the college because they're the only one can give you a degree. You can't give yourself a degree. If you could give yourself a degree, you wouldn't have enrolled in school. Children submit themselves to the parents because they need to be raised. I tell my children all the time, I got one to act just like me. And every time I look at her, I, I ask myself, was I like that? And the answer is yes. <laughs> it's yes. And I tell her, I'm 30 years older than her. I say, okay, do you want to think like 11-year-old or 41-year-old? Which one? <laughs> the answer is always a 41-year-old. That's what God's telling you. Okay, do you want to think like a human or like a God? Which one? Which one? You want to think like a human or you want to think like a God? Okay, I've established a plan for you to learn how to think like a God. Your plan going to get you thinking like a human. Now, connections are important. Okay? Connections, they're important because they open doors for you. So it's good to be connected. I'm still connected to leaders that I had in the past. And, and they, they can open doors for you. People can open doors for you. That's why you need to always walk in humility. Because you don't know who God has in your path to open your next door. You don't know. It could be the people, it could be that person that, that, that you think that they don't know, that you know more than them. But you don't have, but they can open the door. Yeah, you smarter than them, but they can open the door. And he does it on purpose like that. He'll let somebody with nothing have more influence than somebody with something. He'll take someone with no gifts and give them connections, and he'll take someone with gifts and put them in their path. You got talent, but you ain't got no doors. You only empty yourself out to allow your father to fill you. You do not want to be full of man. You want to be full of God. Amen? All right. Now, this is the last thing I'm going to say. Then I'm going to drop the mic. Do your job. What is your job? Say it, Anthony. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. When you do your job, God will do his. His job is exaltation, making you greater. Your job is humbling yourself. 
when you do your job, he can do his job. Not until you do your job can he do his job. He says, for whoever humbles himself, he will exalt him. But whoever exalts himself, he'll humble him. Class over. I don't know. 